Another coincidence today that I am starting this video right in front of this house for rent. When I was looking for a parking spot, I came across this house, drove right past it, and to my amazement guys, this house was listed for rent for $5,500 per month, and it's a little over 1,900 square feet, and the house is pending right now, so someone has a contract on it for rent. But I was actually shocked to see a house in this neighborhood for rent for $5,500 a month. Now yeah, it's just a three bedroom, two bath. It's nothing super fancy, but you know, the house is kind of old, but it's got a decent sized yard. It's right across the street from the golf course over here behind me. So I was surprised to see that. Now the first thing is the average household income in the US right now is about $87,000 a year, and the median is almost $62,000 a year. But the crazy thing is, if you make $70,000 a year or less right now, you technically cannot afford the median price home in the United States right now, which is hovering around $407,000. If you make 70K a year, that means before taxes, you're looking at about $58,33 a month. And on a house that's $407,000 with a 20% down payment and a 5.4% interest rate, guys, you're looking at a monthly of $2,272 per month, which comes out to 39% of your monthly income. And the reason why this is worrisome is because anything over 30% of your monthly income for housing is traditionally looked at as unaffordable. So this is pretty scary that it's coming to the point where many households across the country, by definition, cannot afford to own a home. And that's, like I said, with a 20% down payment. In my experience, a lot of people that buy single family homes especially, they don't even have the 20% down payment. They'll use a conventional loan where they put down maybe like five or 10%. In some cases, people will put down more to lower their payment. But most of the time, people will put down five to 10% for a traditional mortgage, 30 year fixed on a single family home. So that number, that monthly payment would be even higher if you're in that boat right now. And this is definitely a nationwide issue. It's not just in expensive areas like Florida and California and New York. The article that I pulled this from was from my Florida Realtor Association. And they basically said that about 90% of the counties across the United States uh, saw home prices overtake wage growth. So it basically means that the price of homes, you know, the, the cost of ownership per month is going up faster than people's wages are going up. And that's something that I kind of touched on a couple videos ago with the rental rates, the same thing's happening with that as well. So with the cost of housing going up across the board, whether you're a renter or a buyer right now, it's making it very difficult for the average person to even afford anything reasonable. But the good news about this is even though this is happening in 90% of the counties across the country, it's not everywhere. In fact, this article mentioned that there are still some places where you can basically own a home for about 28% of the average incomes. And those areas are Chicago, Houston, Philadelphia, uh, Minneapolis, Columbus, Ohio, and so most of those places are in the Midwest with the exception of Houston, which is not a huge surprise. I'm from the Midwest and I know that housing there is traditionally very cheap, especially compared to 
more desirable areas across the country. But I don't know guys, you tell me. If you live in a really happening area like I do, like Miami for example, or maybe you live in LA or New York, one of these really expensive areas, would you be willing to move to the Midwest, a place like Columbus, Ohio, or Chicago, or Houston, some place like that? to save money on housing? Let me know in the comments. Now, in one of the most recent meetings with Congress and the Biden administration, they came up with this idea to potentially cut the premiums that are being charged for FHA loans. So when you have an FHA loan, you pay mortgage insurance because you're only putting like three and a half percent down in many cases. So they're talking about cutting those premiums so that way that'll save the average FHA buyer 50 to 70 dollars per month right now huh 50 to 70 dollars per month do you guys think that that's a significant enough savings to actually make it worth cutting those premiums and this is where i would say the government is always too little too late guys the fact that they're even talking about doing something like this to me is just nonsense really because who is this really going to help First of all, right now, if you're an FHA home buyer, the chances of getting an offer accepted if you live in a competitive market is very difficult, okay? I recently did a consulting call with one of my subscribers and a lot of people don't know this and I had to let her know this. If you're buying a condo with an FHA loan, then there's a list that the FHA has of approved condos across the country that you can buy in. And basically, if that condo is not approved, you cannot buy it. In some cases, they might do what's called a spot approval, where you can try to get the building approved, but the criteria is very strict, and chances are it's not gonna pass for approval. Really, when you're buying FHA, it only really helps you if you're buying a single family home in a very non-competitive market. So I really don't think that the government tossing around ideas like this right now is really gonna help anybody. Another house for sale, right behind me. You don't have any more flyers left. Looks like it's empty inside. Let's see what this one's going for. Now, one thing we've been talking about here and there on the channel is institutional investment. And I came across another article from uh, the Florida Realtors Association today talking about how one in 10 homes in Orlando right now is purchased by an institutional investment firm. So that's 10% guys of the, all the single family homes being purchased in Orlando being bought by institutional investors right now. And in my last video, a lot of you guys were talking about this in the comments that institutional investors should be banned from buying houses. And I think I'm with you guys on this one, you know. I would basically say that institutional investors should not be allowed to buy single family homes or condos or townhouses right now in residential neighborhoods because these are the type of properties that are in most demand and needed right now by the American people that actually need a place to live. So that's the first thing. But I will say they should still be able to buy multifamily properties because most regular home buyers are not going to buy a multifamily property. Most of them. Maybe some of you will if you're into the house hacking situation or something like that. But most will not. And a lot of multifamily buildings are huge, right? We're talking 
80 units, 40 units, something like that. So that's something most home buyers will never want or need. So there's still an important need for investment in those type of housing. But the thing about those is a lot of times people stay in them temporarily, right? It's a stepping stone in life until you can move up to having your own home. So we still need investment in those type of properties, but we definitely don't need investment in more properties like this, which is another one that I saw for sale. <laughs> now you can tell this house is a lot older than the previous house. And it's also on a corner lot and looks to be at least twice the size. So I'm assuming the price here is gonna be a lot more expensive, even though it doesn't seem to be remodeled. But let's see. Now, one thing that the Fed recently said is that they want to make all of the American people aware of the fact that they're doing everything they can right now to tame inflation. And the reason why they want Americans to know this is because one thing they're afraid of the most right now is consumer sentiment being low and people being afraid of inflation because what's going to happen is the more people that are afraid of inflation then the more people are going to be demanding higher wages from their jobs and possibly buying up more goods to stock up you know in fear of prices going up higher and because there's this big concern over inflation there's a higher chance that consumers will start acting this way and that's one of the Fed's biggest nightmares right now because it could totally backfire now that people are aware that there's a recession on the horizon we're in one now and they're worried about inflation so this is now a new problem the Fed has to battle basically convincing American people that inflation is not that bad and they're gonna get it under control what they're saying right now is clear communication with the American people and tighter credit right now is what needs to be focused on to start curbing inflation. But I think the cat's out of the bag. It's pretty safe to say that all of us are aware that we're in a recession or some people are just waiting for it to be announced officially at the end of this month. Everybody's aware of this now. Everybody has seen the price of many different goods go up over the past few months. So it's not like a surprise that uh, this is all going on, guys. But if you want to understand more about this whole situation with inflation that we're in right now, I think a lot of people don't really fully understand just how bad of a situation this is. And I'm not saying this to be a doom and gloomer. I'm saying this so that everybody who watches my videos is aware of the real situation. Inflation is by far the biggest threat to our country right now, guys, because inflation is most likely higher than what the government's saying it is. And because of that, people are getting scared. So that's something the Fed needs to battle. But the guy from Clear Value Tax, and I don't know his name, but I watched his video yesterday and he had an excellent outline and explanation of why this time it's different with inflation compared to the 1970s and why you need to be more concerned about what's happening right now because the Fed cannot raise rates to 20% like it did back in the 1970s. They just simply don't have that option because they won't be able to afford their own debt payments. So basically, they have two options right now. They can either crash the economy real hard, real fast, where the prices of everything go way down, and then they basically solved inflation at the, the expense of basically causing a huge recession or depression, or the alternative is to kick the can down the road and have a new inflation target to where it's maybe around 4% or so 
And if that's the case, then the real inflation numbers will probably be double, around 7 or 8%. And essentially what that does, guys, is it causes prices across the country for everything that we buy to double every 10 years. And that's how kicking the can down the road ultimately will be the doom of this country. So they're in a very, very tight position right now where they need to either raise rates really fast and higher than they expected to basically tank everything and cause a depression overnight or kick the can down the road and we all suffer big time in a decade from now when everything is completely unaffordable. So I don't know what decision they're gonna make. I'm not claiming that I'm an expert on this or I know exactly what they're gonna do, but neither option is good, okay? Personally, I'm more in favor of the option of let's just get it solved right now you know, let's have some temporary pain for the long-term gain. That's kind of my attitude on this because I think if they decide to go the route of let's, you know, kick the can down the road even further, this is going to put a much bigger squeeze in pain on the U.S. like we've never seen before. And by the time that all that starts happening, it will be impossible to fix. So let me know what you guys think about this. I'm gonna link the clear value tax video down in the description below because it was a really great video basically explaining this in great detail if you wanna learn more about the inflation situation right now and just how much trouble this puts us in. Now there was another article today discussing where in Florida can you still get a rental for $1,500 a month? And anybody who's been familiar with my channel since the beginning or the early days, you probably know that I have made quite a few videos about moving to Florida and how so many people have been wanting to come here even before the pandemic, but then of course that accelerated things a lot. And now the tables have shifted completely, guys, to the point where Florida in many areas is becoming unaffordable for a lot of people. And now it's becoming a challenge to find a rental for $1,500 a month or less. So let me share some of these statistics with you guys because it's just absolutely crazy. So Florida's median rent price just hit an all-time high of $1,726 per month in June, okay? And just one year ago, it was about $1,400. So that's over $300 a month more just one year later for the median rental here in Florida. But the median household income in Florida is about $57,000 a year, almost 58 grand. And to be at the, that 30% affordability rate like we were talking about earlier in the video, then your rent would need to be around $1,450 a month. Now obviously $1,500 is above that. And because it's becoming so difficult to find a place like this, this is pricing out most Florida households from being able to afford even a rental now. So I wanna make everybody aware of this because I know there's a lot of you out there that are still looking at wanting to move to Florida and things like that. So it's really important that you understand the new reality of, you know, Florida used to be a really quiet retirement area, you know, and basically the dream for many retirees to come down here. But just be aware of these numbers as you're considering a future move to Florida because it's probably just going to continue to get more expensive down here for the most part because the demand seems to be insatiable. Now I'm not saying Florida is immune from a housing market crash or anything like that, especially in areas where the market has gotten really overheated. However, the demand to be here is just insatiable, guys, let me tell you. And as a local, I can attest to just how many people have been coming in, how much prices have gone up 
because of that. So I, of course I have the, the links to all these articles I'm discussing here linked down below so you guys can always check them out for yourself. And this was a really long one, so I'm not gonna go into a lot more detail on this, but there's a couple interesting other things that they mentioned in there about the rental situation. They basically, they interviewed a realtor for this article and the realtor said, you know, if we get somebody that calls the office that's looking for a rental for $2,000 a month or less, we say, sorry, we can't help you. Go on Airbnb or just scour the internet. This is the answer you're gonna be getting from people. So as you're thinking about making a move to Florida, especially if you're looking to rent right now, you know, be prepared to do basically all of the groundwork of finding an apartment on your own. Because getting an agent to help you if your budget's under $2,000 a month, it's gonna be very difficult. One thing I really want to caution you guys about is the article said to check Craigslist because a lot of the big websites like Zillow and Trulia and apartments.com aren't gonna have the cheaper listings that you might find on Craigslist. Now, that might be true, but guys, I need to warn you because Florida is basically the scam capital of the United States and most of the rental scams that are out there occur on Craigslist. So if you are going to search for a, a rental on Craigslist, make sure that you're verifying who you're meeting with before you meet with them. Verify that they are a real estate agent or they are the owner of the property before you ever even meet with them. So basically verify, verify, verify is the name of the game with Craigslist because anyone can claim to be anyone on Craigslist. And the biggest scam is like, hey, I'm the owner of this place. They somehow get the keys to some vacant property. They'll show it to you, collect a deposit from you or an application fee, and you never hear from them again. So just make sure that if you're gonna be looking for rentals in places like that, that you're doing your due diligence. So fair warning. And one last thing I wanna add from that Florida rental article is it says that a lot of people who are being priced out, especially locals right now that can't afford a place to live, are people that have a below 600 credit score. Now, I'm gonna go right on record and say, guys, I don't feel sorry for people in that position because everybody is responsible for their own financial and life responsibilities, okay? And if your credit score is below 600, clearly you are not being a good citizen by paying your bills on time and, you know, making sure that you are doing what you can to have a good credit score because really all it takes to have good credit is have access to credit and pay all your bills on time. If you can do those two things, then you're gonna have a good credit score. So if you have a bad credit score, it means you're not doing those things. And it means that landlords aren't gonna to wanna to rent to you, which is no big surprise. I wouldn't be renting to someone with a credit score below 600 either. So there's that. Got a little boat party out here today. That's the brand new Ritz-Carlton over there, Miami Beach. It's a beautiful day to be out on the water. Now there was a great article today from Forbes talking about how the great appreciation for real estate is over. And basically what they outline in this article is the main reason why home prices have shot up so much in the past couple of years is because of artificially low interest rates. And I think they totally nailed it on the head because having easy access to cheap money and being able to afford a house that you normally wouldn't be able to afford at today's interest rates like we're seeing you know when rates are at a normal level like they are right now you can't afford the same house that you could have two years ago or even just six months ago and they basically nailed it because 
This is the number one reason why home prices are so high right now. They go on to say that the chances of interest rates going back to where they were, say like January 2021, when you could get a mortgage for 3%, is basically never gonna happen. At least not anytime soon, guys. Probably not in the next 10 years at least, maybe even longer. Because the interest rates need to remain higher in order to curb demand. But you need to realize that interest rates have been artificially low for like 15 to 20 years. And so basically the run of these low interest rates, these artificially low interest rates is over because these low interest rates have been subsidized by quantitative easing. And in case you don't know what that is, it's basically a fancy way of saying money printing, which is something we've done a lot of in the last couple of years. And so we're basically in a position in this country where we cannot print any more money. Having low interest rates again, being subsidized by more money printing is basically an impossibility. So keep that in mind because where you see interest rates right now, it's probably gonna be the new norm. And I'm one that always says that I think they're gonna be higher by the end of the year. I think as if the Fed keeps raising their basis points that we're gonna see mortgage rates continue to climb higher. And yes, I'm aware that uh, 30 year fixed rates fell uh, briefly this week, but it didn't fall by that much. And the reason why it fell, guys, because people are scared of a recession. Go we'll look it up. So that's the reason the rates fell, and it's temporary, I guarantee you. Even with how much those rates fell, it's not going to do diddly squat when it comes to being able to afford a house right now because prices are still up. The fall of home prices has not caught up yet with the high interest rates. But it's not all bad news with these higher interest rates because some of the possible outcomes this article outlines that could come from having interest rates kind of remain high like this is that investor demand for real estate will likely continue to fall because their profit margins on being able to rent a place out are going to keep falling as well as interest rates keep going higher. And what it's gonna help is it's gonna help the average person who does need to buy a home for them to live in because people don't care about profitability when they need a place to live. So it's basically a good thing for the consumer or the home buyer that needs a place to live because as long as you can afford the payment, people will continue to buy. But investors will not continue to invest if there's no money to be made. So that's the first thing. But the downside is that it will probably cause an uptick in foreclosures, it says, because there's gonna be hardly any equity to be gained in the near future. And if somebody runs into financial hardship, they won't have additional equity to tap from their home. In fact, they could even be in a negative equity situation if you're one of these people that overbid for a house in the past couple of years. So. This could also cause more foreclosures to come to market as well. But one of the other benefits, it says, is that buyers will feel less pressure to buy because you know, there'll be more supply out there and hopefully it will help return us to a more balanced real estate market so that way people don't feel the pressure to buy before they're actually financially ready to, which can in turn cause foreclosures. But the other downside to this is it does mean that we could see decades of low appreciation for homes, you know, in the past before all this mania started. Average home price appreciation across the country was like two to 3% a year. And going forward, we're gonna be lucky if this generation who's buying a home right now even sees that at all in the next decade because of just how much home prices have shot up over the past couple of years. It's gonna create less wealth for people buying a home today 
who traditionally, if you're a baby boomer and you bought a house 20 years ago, obviously you're sitting in a really good position right now, but anybody who's buying today in 20 years from now might not be sitting in as pretty of a position. So go check that out if you guys wanna read the whole thing. It's a lot of interesting information there. If you guys enjoyed this video, please subscribe to the channel and check out my next video on the screen right over here, and I'll catch you over in the next one.